this week on the People's Football Podcast. There is no Kyle due to work commitments and personal commitments, so Martin and Steph steal the show. I hope you enjoy and I hope you don't miss me that much. See you all next week. Welcome back and welcome to the People's Football Podcast. We are in uncharted territory right now. We did it. Against all the haters, all the doubters, all the naysayers, everyone said there's no way you'll get to double digit the People's Football Podcast. And guess what? We are at episode 10. Let's party. Let's celebrate. It's time to party. Come on. Woo. Yeah, feels good. Come on. Is it going to kick in yet or what? It's taking its time. Come on. Woo! Let's go. Woo! Let's go. That's enough. That's enough of that. Okay, we don't want to. We don't want to brag too much. Yeah. I feel like someone's missing here. Uh, our little brother, Kyle, Gandalf Wilson, Gandalf. He's left us hanging. He's decided to turn red and white. He traveled to Luton yesterday and went to Sunderland versus Luton. He's now decided he's over than the dark side. He's a Sunderland fan. I couldn't believe it. He just told us through the week, that's it. I've had enough of the tune. I'm now a Sunderland fan. Wow. He's left us, Steph. I know. I'm I'm devastated. Um, It's a quiet place without him, isn't it? Yeah, we had to kick him off. We had some strong words. No, I'm only kidding. Listen, Kyle, still black and white through and through. He's at the game yesterday. He's been a busy boy, that lad. He's took on a lot and he's he's doing such a good job. So we've we had a couple of weeks off, actually, you know, we as well, which we'll talk about. But Kyle's he's he's coaching his his Crammy Juniors team this morning. Uh he's got a his birthday, his his sister's birthday tonight. So the only time we could squeeze this in this week was today, um, afternoon. So fingers crossed there's no knock at the door because me and Steph have ordered a Sunday dinner, our first Sunday dinner, I think, since we've returned to the England for a year and a little bit. So extra um, extra Yorkshire puds for us today. But uh, in all seriousness, I'm sure Kyle's going to add a little piece to this um, to this episode. But we do miss him. It feels a bit quieter, especially when he's not there with his little perky jokes. But uh, we'll have him on next time for sure. So, Steph, I don't know where to start with how it's been because all we ever do is bloody moan at this bit, but I don't think it's going to change this week because we had an horrific week last week, didn't we? I mean, I say this every week, but we haven't a parenting podcast, but the last two weeks, the Herdman household has been down. But not even Hayden's fault this time. Well, well, kind of blaming him. It, it obviously started with the germ-infested toddler, but yeah, Hayden, Hayden was poorly, and then the week after, he gets better, and, and, and me and you come down with it, don't we? So it's been a, it's been a... A testing week in the Herdman household, trying to get through, working, feeling poorly, looking after a, an excitable toddler. But we made it. We made it to the weekend. And I think that's the thing. That's the thing we've got to say. We always start doom and gloom. And then we always say, hey, but look where we are now. We're here together, fighting through it all. So if you're going to take anything from it, keep fighting, people, because we are here and we are ready to rock and roll on this podcast today. So, no, it was tough. Listen, sickness, well, everything going through. But... We had a, a Canadian friend over with his daughter who was trialing with some teams. Really successful time. Just really like upbeat person, wasn't he? Like we went, yeah. went went for a coffee with him. It's fantastic to be around positive people. And that's what we're trying to do on this podcast, just to instill some positivity through all the doom and gloom because it hasn't been an easy year for a lot of us. But um, yeah, anything else going on with you, Steph, though? 
oh, I'm just still buzzing off yesterday um, yeah. in the match and just Newcastle United in general. Um, it's, it's it's good times to be part of the club and to be supporting Newcastle, isn't it? So Without talking too much about Newcastle now, imagine if Newcastle were going through this spell last season, what they went through under Brucey. Imagine with all the crap we've been through this year and everyone in the northeast has been through and how doom and gloomy it is. I tell you something, they're keeping a lot of us going, aren't they? That yeah. club. That... It is. I think I think there's probably a lot of people out there who, you know, struggle to get through the week and then you get to the weekend and we're once again looking forward to going to the, the games, going to the stadium, watching the match and, and being around people again. And it's and we'll come out smiling, happy, you mm. know, excited. It's it's the club's doing a lot for the community at the minute and it's it's just it's it's just that feel good factor and it, it you know, it does mean a lot. It does it does have more of an impact than people probably think. Yeah, and I think I think I don't necessarily also think it's just about the winning either, Steph. That's amazing that we're, you know, we're winning games every week. I think it's just like, and we, you're probably going to talk about this later. Just the stadium, just everything around it. And even when I had friends over from Canada, they're like, "Oh my god, the first time they've been in England, this place is just football mad." And the people are so lovely, people are so nice. Um, so no, kudos to the people in Newcastle. They've made some. New friends, some new Canadian friends, and they they fell in love with the city as well. So that's fantastic. So just for me, just for me, a couple of updates, not certainly from me, but um, Chris Sargent. Um, like I said last on the last podcast, I thought we jinxed the lad. We um, he lost three or four in a row. Then they got a, a, a sneaky win, two one, and I think they've just broken their own records. They won seven nil, um, last weekend, and one of the goals. I don't know if you know this one, Steph, but there was a goal Pele scored, and I've never seen many many like it. Basically, there was a through ball on an angle. The players actually ran to go and collect it, one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. The keeper's kind of done a, a weird star-shaped dive. The players ran around the keeper and collected the ball on the opposite side and put it in the net. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when Pele did that? <laughs> it was incredible. So FC Norgeland, check it out. Unbelievable goal. I can't, remember, I can't pronounce her name, by the way. She's a Danish striker, but what I think she scored two or three that game. So, Chris, again, like Lynchy, like a few others, you're going to have to start owning some, uh, some I don't know, some rewards for this because obviously we jinxed you at first, but then you're back on the you're back on with a seven nil win, mate. So we'll bring you and Amy on. Amy's going to be coming on. Amy Harrison, who's the assistant there from Canada, we're thinking about bringing her on at some point. So I can't go through everyone. Episode ten, dead excited. So we're just going to get started. It was a busy weekend for football. Still ongoing now. We're doing this mid afternoon Sunday. Um, so there's football going on this afternoon, a couple of big games, Arsenal and Forest, some big women games. But let's just let's just recap what's happened this weekend and how we do that is usually the shocker and the showstopper. Usually Kyle and Steph split that. Steph's gonna take Kyle's job over, thank God. Um, and she's gonna we're gonna look back on the weekend and who who are your shockers and showstoppers and the game of the weekend we're gonna throw in there this week as well. So let's do like the, the showstoppers first. Um Start with the team. I mean, it, it it it's it's it follows a pattern this week. So I've gone for Leeds United to be the showstopper of the week because I think any team that goes to Anfield and comes away with three points. I mean, you know, Newcastle came close to doing it and couldn't quite do it. Um, Leeds United were were fantastic. And I, do you know what it is? Remember, I said to you yesterday before we went into the Newcastle game. Oh, that I'll I'll look forward to watching that later on because mm. when Leeds came back into the Premier League under Bielsa. There was a, I think it was a 4-3 game at Anfield between the two. And I just, you know, you, I think, you know, Leeds went for it again. And um, they needed a result, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. And I think um, for Leeds, that was a that was a big result because 
I think Kyle had them finishing quite high up in the league, not to string him out of dry. He had 10th, mm-hmm. 11th, and he was talking about all the American players. We had them teetering, didn't we? Like 15, 16. So they kind of are where they should be right now, I feel. So that was huge. I mean, Jesse Marsh, I mean, he's obviously who I've gone for for showstopper of the week person. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he's obviously had a tough time at the start of this season. Um, he's obviously, you know, results haven't gone the way. You know, I've, I've listened to his interviews and he's he's talked about how he feels that there's a lot of performances that they don't that they haven't merited you know the points or the or the returns so mm. you know to go to Anfield um I loved his celebration when when yeah. uh, when Somerville scored um you know to just do that in front of him you know you know how I feel about oh, yeah, someone who rubs something in his face is, is, is a good person in my eyes. So just on Jesse Marsh okay so what happens with, I think American coaches are scrutinized more than any other coaches yeah. in the world. And I think this week he did an interview and I think people were starting to laugh at him. People were almost like, cause he said something like, um, you know, in my 14 year tenure, I've never lost as many games as I have right now. I'm not happy. I'm going to find out who my high performing players are, who's ready to step up to the tactics. And, you know, he dropped a few of them American words in there, you know, you know, and I think, People were starting to really question him, and by by no means this isn't this isn't going to see him through. But I think he was probably if he didn't win that game, he was probably one or two games away. And I think Jesse, I think he knows this. He's representing so much more than just himself right now. He's he's representing America, yeah. and and people are always looking across. And this is this is the typical English kind of coaching mentality. They look down on people who haven't been through the English process, and it's wrong. Jesse March is a good coach. He's, he's, he's got European pedigree. Absolutely. He's not, he's not just someone who's come across from the MLS to take a Premier League team on. He's, he's been in Europe and he's done very well with Leipzig. And, you know, so he, he has something about him, obviously. Um, but, you know, there is that stigma around Americans. And, and yeah, football. North Americans, yeah. Um, but, you know, fair play to him because he, he needed that result, definitely. And, you know, whether they can kick on from, from now, I don't know. But, you know, just to go to Anfield, you know, and get that, that win. Well, is, I, think, you know, I think just keeping them up. Like, they've got to be realistic. If he can get them 16th, 17th in the league, job done. Because the squad he's got now, on paper, it's decent, but it's not fantastic. It's not a top 14 team, is it? They're going to have to overperform to get there. So that'll be his coaching if he does get them there. And you've got to remember that they lost the two best players in the summer in Calvin yeah. Phillips and, and, and Rafinha. So... And look at Bamford now as well. He looks a shadow of himself, yeah, doesn't he? he does. He hasn't played enough football in the last couple of years, no. I don't think. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a good season under Bielsa when he, when he scored goals, and that might be now for the first yeah. season back in the Premier League. But, um, you know, they have they are adjusting to losing their two-star players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't right. exactly go out and spend big to replace yeah. them. They, they brought unproven players, they didn't they? brought unproven players in, mm-hmm. which, you know... If you can, if you can get you know the best out of them, then you know, some of them might turn into world class players. But um, you know, fair play to them. No, I, I really, I really like that you've chosen him because I think he's full of value. I think he's full of passion, and he's a football man, regardless of what anyone says. Just because he says the odd PK or whatever, you know. Listen, that's just football. How they say it over there. So look through all that, people. He knows his stuff. He knows how to get a team playing. He knows how to press from the front. And he's got some great ideas. It's just whether he gets the quality of player to support that. So good stuff. Next ones. So let's go to Shocker. Um, and again, I'm going to follow a pattern here. And my team, my Shocker of the week is Chelsea. And my person is Graham Potter. Okay. Uh, obviously, Chelsea going back to, well, going to Brighton. Graham Potter going back to Brighton. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of, what was it? A couple of months after he uh, he left. Yeah. Um, And I think he, um obviously, terrible performance. 
um two two one goals in amongst mm. the four. Um I watched Match of the Day last night and Chelsea are a funny team now, man. You look at the you look at the team sheet and and, and you think that they're not that 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 star attraction that they once were with with, with those big names when you're hazards mm. and you're uh, your Giroud, your Lukaku's, that kind of thing. It's they're a funny team now, and obviously he started off well, Potter. Yeah, he hadn't lost, had he? Hadn't lost a game. No, he hadn't lost a game, and that's that's massive for him uh, to go back to Brighton. And I mean, it, oh, it, one, you know, wow. it was funny. You know, the the Brighton fans did boo him. Mean, is that a bit harsh? Probably is. Mm. Um, but he came out in his his interview after, and it I think that hurt him quite a bit actually. I think he was a bit put out that he got booed. Mm. I think he probably went there and expected. A better reception, which you can understand because he he's he's done absolute wonders with the club. He's yeah. he's, he's turned them into a solid top ten team on a very yeah. small budget, losing their best players. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he, did, he didn't like the fact he got booed. He yeah, I heard his up. interview. It was really interesting. <laughs> one, he was almost like, well, you know what? I did a really good job there. You know, I, they were fourth bottom when I took over, and I took them into a top ten team. We did this. We did that. It was quite, um, I'm surprised he went that low. He didn't just like bounce that off him and just go, yeah, it is what it is, you know. Well, that, that means that I'm surprised, him. yeah, that it means did. That it really I mean, bothered 4-1 him. though against Brighton away. I mean, Brighton are, Brighton are the weirdest team in this country, by the way. <laughs> Excuse me. Let it out there. Um, I think this De Servi guy, I think some of his principles look good. They're going to try and play. I think it's very Newcastle-esque. I do, yeah. And it'd be, it'd be interesting if they get some of them. It'd be interesting to keep a hold of Trossard for one. I'd love him at Newcastle, by the way, on that left side. Well, he's, isn't he out on contract next summer? Um, is he? Okay. So him, he could be another one on the radar for sure. So um, no, that's that, that's good. And I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how Chelsea bounce back. You know, I, yeah. um, I'm sure they will. But you're right. They're not full of... You know, Chabala at centre back, Thiago Silva and Agent apparently had a good game still. They're still playing. His cheek. Yeah, there's it's they need they're in a transitional period yeah. for sure. But I'd be interested whether we catch them in Newcastle. I tell you, uh, you know, I'd I'd fancy us to... <laughs> anyway. You know, obviously we know that Newcastle play them in a couple of weeks' time. That's the last game before the world. It's at home play. as well, isn't it? It's yeah. Hell of a game. You know, mm. we'll talk about Newcastle in a in a little bit, but you've got to you look at games now, and you and, and especially Chelsea with the way that they are. I mean, you know, Potter's no more. He's a, he's a good manager. He can organize a team, but mm. they are, like you say, they are in transition. And when you look at the team sheet, you you kind of don't you don't fear them. You potentially fear them like you used to. Fear. No, no, no. Um, Maybe it's at Stamford Bridge. You you you'd think you know because that's a really tight place to play. But yeah. away from home, you know, they they've got a soft underbelly with the three at the back. They're aging. They've got Chabala for me as a as a centre centre midfielder playing centre back as per as per Laqueta's aging. You know, they brought in the new guy, Koulibaly, 31, 32, but you've got a years of adjustment there. The Premier League's a lot faster than Italy, that's for sure. So, okay, so you, you've got your, um, you went, we also added in just this weekend because there was a bit of a, a shot one was the, was the, the game of the weekend. So, what have you gone for there? So, I've gone for the uh, goal fest that was Charlton Ipswich. So, it finished 4 4. Mm. And it was, believe it or not, it was, the score was 2-2 with 90 minutes gone. Yeah. And it finished 4-4. So wow. I don't know what the hell's gone on there. Was it, was it in bar time and Libar pool time or what? <laughs> What's going on there? I don't know what happened. Why why there was obviously obviously the goal would have added on time. Um yeah. but you know, for the for four goals to be scored in past 90 minutes is 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 rare. And yeah. Um whoever was those fans, Charlton fans and Ipswich fans who were at uh, Valley Parade mm. <laughs> must have I don't know how you would have come out there and still had two teams uh, who've been in the Premier League as well, though, yeah. Steph as well. Yeah. And they're two teams that um 
who, who I, I've got memory, good memories of, and you know my old Alan Kirbisley loving. I used to love Alan Kirbisley back in the Prem. He had them <laughs> almost doing that Brighton job. You know, he had them ninth and tenth every season. All of a sudden, Charlton got a little bit greedier, and as soon as he left, bump they dropped. And um, Ipswich, another solid team. Bobby Robson's connection there, obviously a Premier League team, so yeah. took some players from them as well, didn't we? Titus Bramble and Kieran Dyer as well. So we well, just look at that fixture now; it's a League One fixture. Know, so it should be at minimum of a Championship. That's yeah. crazy. That, but that's two big teams going out at four four. But good stuff. So, yeah. uh, listen, we didn't we didn't do the podcast. Obviously, we we had two weeks off, so we didn't do the podcast. But um, for for the for the Spurs game, we're going to go into the Northeast review now, and obviously we spend a little bit of time with Newcastle. So Newcastle v Spurs, we obviously won two one, which was incredible away at Spurs. Knowing the season before, we got battered five one. Um, now, what were your, what were your thoughts, Steph? And and what what like obviously you predicted? I predicted two. I predicted one one. You went two one Spurs, and Kyle unbelievably went two nil Newcastle. As he does, I don't. Think, does. I don't think he knows anything else but a Newcastle win. But he got it right for once. So well done, Kyle. So go on, then take us back. We'll, we'll just rush over. Well, we'll not rush, but we'll have a little look at it. I just think it was one of the most complete performances I've seen from Newcastle in a long time. I mean, mm. we have obviously seen some good ones recently. Um, you know, in this certainly this season, since since Eddie Howe had a little bit more time to work with the, the team in, in terms of how he wants them to play. Um, but yeah, like it was to to to, to be so direct in terms of getting that spurs not being afraid being on the front foot um getting the two goals ahead i think that was huge i think i think if it had stayed one nil it, it you know the longer it stayed one nil the more you fancy spurs to, to to come back into it and the game swings on its head like it did in that last mm. that game last season mm. but you know for, for for mickey to go on and, and get an absolutely fantastic goal and make it two nil it just that kind of felt like Newcastle had that cushion and you know, now with the way that the team are defending, you know, they've still got the tightest defence in the league. Yeah. You really fancy us to to, to, to keep teams out now. Yeah. I know it was a little bit disappointing with, you know, the, the goal they conceded from the corner. I don't know if Kieran Trippier was meant to be marking Harry Kane or not. Yeah, we see, we talked about it, didn't we? Because he was like buffling around, pointing and gesticulating. I don't know if he was just annoyed that he was getting pulled off. He wanted someone else marking him. But you're right. It's, you know, you've got, usually it's big for big. Mm-hmm. You know, you mark space. But to have Kieran Trippier, who's my height, five foot eight, or five foot seven and a half, Mark and Harry Kane, who's he's not massive, but he's he's a poacher, he's you, a poacher. you know. So, but I don't know if teams do that anymore necessarily. It's more like anyway. But I mean, you're if right. Kane, if Harry Kane had the score, it probably would have been a penalty because he was yeah, he was ripping his shirt off. Trying to pull him down, didn't he? But yeah, just you know. And then even when Spurs got that goal back, yeah, thinking, oh no, but that didn't happen. Newcastle, Newcastle just stood firm and 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 even kind of still still attacked the ball. So, yeah, fantastic. So what you know in terms of attacking, what what excited you most in terms of what you know who I stood think, out I to you? At the minute, it's just it's 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 great to see Kieran, uh, Callum Wilson back. You know, he, he it wasn't a foul for the goal. Levy should have been stronger. Should have done better. He was well within his rights to just maintain his his, his position. Um, he didn't have to get out of the way. Mm. Um. Fantastic finish with his with his with his left foot, and then obviously Almiron, like you know that yeah, it, was, it was messy esque that goal, wasn't it? Yeah, the way it was. that Jinx. you know Sean Longstaff started with the press, um, and then he takes it past one defender, and then you know just opens his body up and 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 puts it past Lloris, and the you know at, at the moment you 
you know, at the start of the season, we were worried about Newcastle's front three, weren't we? Like, you know, oh, when well, you're looking around paper, we, used to, we used to always talk about goals. How many goals did Amaron get? Two, score? three. But, you know, now it's like you're excited to watch them play, and and there is there is a fluency between them. There's 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 good understanding there, and it's yeah, it's been the attacking side of it's been great. But you you obviously were impressed by the other end, weren't you? Yeah, I think um. Well, I think there was something around, you know, that that back four, back five, you know, the celebrations when them are all together is crazy. But there's something around, I'm going to talk about Botman again, who who in his first game against Haaland, I was nervous, but that's putting him up against Haaland in, in a City team that were in full pomp. But since that game, he has been an absolute colossal. You know, we've got to go back to Nick Pope's save on Harry Kane, by the way. Sean Longstaff lost it in the opposition half. They broke. In the first 10 minutes, it was dicey. They had two really sons, but one over the bar. And then he's Nick Pope saved it with his feet. So he's shown, he's, he's, you know, his he's agility with his feet as well. Um, but there was a passage of play in that second half where Botman's shifted out his feet. He's hit it with his right foot now. He's not his non-dominant foot. And he switched it like 50, 60 yards, opposite side of the field. Trippier's chest is it. He's had some pressure. He's flicked it over the guy's head. Dropped it inside. We'll put one around the corner. Almiron comes inside. We get a, an overlapping run from Trippier. And it's put at the back post. And then Joel Linton gets the penalty. But the passage of play from defence all the way through was just incredible. But defensively, we look rock solid. And in that game, you know, I was really excited by it. So to go to Spurs, whether or not you say Spurs were terrible or Newcastle were fantastic, I just want to quickly touch on the press. Mm-hmm. People are, are underestimating Newcastle's press. So what teams are doing, I'll tell you, I'll tell you now, I've watched it the last three or four games, is they're playing with a back four and build up. And what we're doing is we're playing with a, build, a front three. So what we're doing is the fullbacks are pushing high and we're playing man-to-man press. But our aggression is Wilson is going to go and press the keeper. Is uh, it's Joe or if it's Murphy and Almiron are going to go and press the two centre-backs. And then out wide, they have the fullbacks. So what he was trying to do was clip it over to the fullbacks, thinking, ah, we normally get out here. But we were we had our players sniping, as you would call it, or ready to ambush. Sean Longstuff on the right side, Joe Willock on the left side. And what they're doing is they're just cheating. They're all Newcastle, like, go on, we'll give you it, we'll give you it. And then all of a sudden, as it's kicked, bump, they're already there on the touch. And no one can deal with it. But this is because they are just thinking that this is the old Newcastle. What they'll start to do is they'll have two in the pivot, They'll drop people closer to the ball and they'll have numbers up and then they can clip over us. Which but is it, kind of what Aston Villa tried to do. No, but still they had the fullbacks really high and they had two centre-backs against our three strikers and a keeper and they had one. They had two in the pivot, Len, Len, um, Dendonker and um, Luis. But Luis was actually still... So they had we had, they had five back and, and, and five forward and they had a pivot in the middle. I think what teams are going to have to do, and this is not giving them... What I would do is drop your fullbacks really low, drop your centre-backs really low, drop your two CDMs and drop a, a, a false nine in, and then they've got a chance you find them the spare man. But right now, honestly, I mean, I'm going into tactics here, but I'm really shocked at how teams are playing out against us. It's very disrespectful. But when they get it right, that's when I think what we're going to start to see is this groundswell of match of the day, Sky Sports. We're going to see a groundswell of everyone doing tactical analysis on us and start going, wow, the Eddie Howe is good. People will copy People will set up and we'll get tougher. I'll promise you that after the World Cup, people will have time to adjust. They'll sit down and go, wow, this Newcastle team, why are they playing this good? So anyway, and I'll, we'll talk about that one now. But that's just my little tactical two pence on it, you know, because it's fantastic to watch. Uh, what about Villa, Steph? You were at the game yesterday. Yeah. Loved it, I bet. But mm-hmm. what about it? What, what jumped out there? 
think it was you know the the first half was 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 terrible, wasn't it? It was a shocking watch because there was there was just no fluency to the game. Obviously, Villa mm. had a couple of injuries. Um, you know the goalkeeper the goalkeeper went down twice. Um, and it just felt like the, the ball was never in play. Um, and that and it just it meant that Newcastle just couldn't get into their rhythm. You know, they, yeah. they, they couldn't they couldn't be on the front foot. They couldn't be like you know direct in terms of getting at Villa. And it just made it for a really really scrappy forty five minutes. And mm. um, you know, had we not got that penalty just before half time, you know, it, it, I don't know whether Newcastle would have gone on to be have been as rampant as they were in the second half, but. That was so important, um, but I, to me, it was it was a little bit payback because you know it was scored in, in added on time, ten minutes added on time in the first half, which was just incredible for those people who wanted to go down and get their beers. Um, not mentioning any. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it came back to bite them because obviously the goal the goal came in that time. So um, no, it was it was a fantastic second half. You know, Newcastle were just at their best. Um, Brilliant play between the front the front players again. Um, we saw some players come back. John Joe Shelby, Maxi come on. Um, you know, there was just some fantastic performances in there. Um, my top three performance performers were were Callum Wilson, obviously getting mm. getting getting the two goals. Yeah. Um Joe Linton, I thought. Again, yeah. he, he started out as that wide left player. Uh, he got it, he's got he got his first goal of the season. I thought he was fantastic in front of the Brazilian manager. You can, know. He, can he sneak in? He can't. Can I he? don't think he will. I think it'll be. Um, it's too late. Buddy. I think. I think the the Brazil squad is just stacked. Yeah. I, I think if they weren't, like, the, he would have a chance. But I just think he's just gonna fall short. Do you think he's better than? I know he's a different player, but do you think he's better than Fred? I do, yeah, but but you know he's he's just uh, the Brazil manager's probably thinking you know he's never been around my yeah, squad. Yeah. Can I trust him in in, in an international game? And I guess that's the same with Dan Byrne. Sorry to say that, yeah. but everyone's shouting for Dan Byrne, but he's on form. Players are on form. Listen, I, I yeah, so sorry, yeah. No, well, well, you, you mentioned Dan Byrne there. He was he he was me. He, oh, was he? Me in, in me top three as well. Oh wow, yeah. Um, again, like you know, left back. You know, you can't. You just can't question it. You can't take him out. I think I think it's going to take from having an absolute stinker of a game at left back for my target to get back in that team, um, and the, then obviously in the second half, um, he, he, he took um, he took Botman off, and Byrne moved inside. Yeah, that's good. And I, I don't know whether that was you know, Eddie how you know yeah. sending a message to yeah it was clever wasn't it? Gareth and, and, and look at the do you know what though Steph as well so you have got Tyrone Mings who's been a, a stalwart for Southgate. for Southgate right. And the matchups yesterday, Wilson versus Mings, mm-hmm. he tore him apart. Mings was awful again. Like got out jumped on the corners, out jumped by everything when Wilson hit the bar. And then you got Don Byrne, who's like flying forward at left left back and then yes, shifting Ollie to centre back. Honestly, it was um yeah, Ollie Watkins who's been in the squad. It was almost, you know, if Selkirk doesn't pick for me, like it's trippy, obviously. It's obviously I think now it's got to be Wilson. But what the hell does Dan Byrne have to do? He's a he's a six foot seven flying left back. He can play left of a centre three. He can play left of a two, and he can play left back. Like we have, yeah, I, comfortably against good players. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the only problem is if there was one friendly, I genuinely think you know there'd be four Newcastle players going to the World Cup: Pope, Byrne, um, Wilson, and Trippier. Yeah. And you know what? Like I was thinking about me, me England eleven yesterday. We've got eleven. We could actually start in England eleven now, you know. 
we could start an English eleven with Target, Burn, Lascelles. I know, but like yeah, you, you Shelby, Shelby. Willick. It's um, Elliot Anderson. Is he Scottish? Elliot Anderson. He hasn't decided. Oh he? well, he needs to get to sign England. But uh, so no, sorry, it was interesting to see you seen Southgate there. I, we actually seen him in the crowd, didn't we? Sitting next yeah, to um because it was Murdad and um Amanda's wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, and they had a hug and a kiss before the game. It was quite funny. So um yeah, but no, I mean just like. I mean, Ed, I listened to Eddie Howe's uh, press conference after the game, mm. and, and he said that he actually stood back in the second half and enjoyed it. Did he? And, and he, in having listened to a, other press conferences, you know, he, he he says he rarely gets time to enjoy what's actually yeah. happening in front of him because he's always thinking about how he's going to help a, how how he can help someone on the field, how he can help a player. And he, you know, fair play, like it was just such a commanding performance, and you know, I, I turned to you. I think I think when that second and third goal went in. The amount of people around us in the ground who just had this like look of disbelief on their faces, yeah, you know, like what what the heck? Like it's the third time this season we've scored four or more goals. Like it's it's incredible. Like when can when when was the last time that happened in a, in a season for Newcastle? Oh. I, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But it's it's absolute disbelief. And I know War Flags had the the um yeah it was magic that they had uh, you know this city is believing again um held up before the game and yeah. I think people are believing, but I think we don't want to get too carried away. No, we no, were talking before the game, weren't we? I still don't believe. I think I'm just still in 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 shock and in in awe of. Well, like, look at our scores. What you said, you thought one nil, I thought two one, and then I told you about the guy in the in the toilet yesterday. I went, ah, you're right, mate. I looked over and I swear to God, I hope he put some money on. I looked over and I said, I think it's going to be tight. Was nah, these are not very good. He said in his own terms. I think four nil. Wilson two. Almiron, and he said another name, but I don't remember. But I think it's Joel Linton. I think he predicted the score. And I'm looking at him going, oh, not another mad fan. He's getting too carried away. But we we just can't help it, can we? I think of our age, we're like 2-1, 1-0. We just batted three teams, 5-1. Was it 5? 5-4 and 4. Like, come on. It's 13. Well, I mean, bloody, I don't know my maths is good, but 13 in three games. Just, I would have took one nil in all three of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it's, it's the completeness of the team. It's it's like it's good, you know, things have clicked going forward, and that's still with players. You know, Jacob Murphy so came on and he's starting to yeah, he look like a player, he's doesn't he? To look like a player. He's the England player, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Maxi, obviously, John Joe Shelby. Um I think they've just got serious clarity in what they're doing. Yeah. Jacob, when you go on, you press that player. Jacob, when you get the ball, you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Go and do it, son. You're faster than the fullback. You're faster than nearly all the players. You've got all the physical attributes. It's just your decision-making at times. But I think Eddie's what he's doing is he's giving them the clarity. Jacob, do this when you have the ball. Oh, okay, right. And I think that's what Almiron is. Almiron, when you get it, you play inside, you drive around the outside. You play inside, you run this way. And I think it's so simple, but then what they're doing is they're building relationship, and he's just breeding confidence. No, they, I mean, obviously it, it helps when there's that confidence and, the, the, you know, that they are unbeaten in eight now and um, the, the, the defence are doing amazing. I mean, people like, you look back to goalkeepers gone by, you know, Shea Givens, Steve Harper's, and mm -hmm. the amount of times it's in James's part where they had to pull out like six or seven, like, yeah. worldly saves a game to keep us, like, to keep the score down. Yeah. But then Nick Nick Pope hasn't made a save at St James's Park in the last two games. Wow, he's got his cigar and slippers out. Eh? He just hasn't had to do anything, and I, it's I'm just like in shock. I'm just yeah. like in shock about it. Yeah, but um, he's he's always like on the move, isn't he? Running back, grabbing his drink. He's always like up high up the pitch. Yeah. It must be. I think the defense look back and go, we've got a giant there. We've got Nick Pope behind us. 
And I think it gives them and breeds so much confidence in them that they're just like, do you know what? If they if they get beyond us, got the big lad there who's going to pull us out of it. Yeah. So before you go into all that, I want to bring up a few, like your, your player of the match and that. I want to bring up a few stats, uh, Mr. Stato here. So uh, Newcastle were utterly dominant yesterday. They registered 59.8% possession, 20 shots to Aston Villa 3 and 7 uh, on target to the to to their zero. What you've said, Nick Pope didn't have to make a save. Now let's move to Almiron. Almiron has now scored six goals and six games in the month of October. That's two more league goals than Jack Grealish has scored in his entire Manchester City career to date. Play it like Almiron. Um, Wilson has maintained a 100% penalty scoring record with Newcastle. 8 for 8. Don't know if you knew that. Bruno Gomez had the most touches of any player on the pitch. 93. 30 more, 31 more than any opposition player and completed the most... Passes 61, 20 more, 20 more than, than any Aston Villa player, and he came off with 10 minutes to go. That's incredible because I actually think that yesterday wasn't one of Bruno's better games. Like he wasn't in the top three aye, performers. Aye. He, don't get us wrong, he didn't he didn't have a bad game, but he just there was a couple he, he did lose possession a couple of times. Um and he didn't look as like sharp in terms of like what he wanted to do when he was on the ball. So that's staggering that that is crazy. No, it is up. crazy. Couple more, not many more. I'm not going to wore it out, but let's let's jump on the bandwagon. Newcastle have maintained the defense, the best defensive record in the Premier League. With another clean sheet, they have conceded the fewest goals, ten. And Nick Pope is the joint top clean sheet maker alongside Edison with six. Last one for all the considerable investment from the new owners. Six of Newcastle starting eleven in this match were inherited. From Howe's predecessor Steve Bruce, including the much improved Joe Linton, Wilson, and Almiron, who all got on the team sheet. So money doesn't buy everything, guys. It's it's a little bit of clarity and a little bit of substance behind it. So come on then, who was your your top players of the game then? Well, I mentioned obviously Wilson, Joe Linton, and Byrne were my top three, but I just think I just think a word on the form, um, the form on in October. Yeah. Um, if Newcastle don't win player of the month in Miguel Almiron, yeah, and they don't win manager of the month with Eddie Howe. And the goal of the month. Goal of the month. Which one? Well, which one? Is it Fulham, Everton, or Villa? All... Which, one, which one would you choose for Miguel Almiron for goal of the month? Because oh, wow. he's going to wipe the floor with it. Is he really? He's going to have. He should do. And Wilson's wasn't bad. I know he fouled the keeper. He well, thought he fouled the keeper, but a, a 20 yard, 25 yard effort. I think the one he scored and he put across Lloris will be up there, you know, because the jinx, the jinker, and the one yeah, yesterday when he's bent it. In the technique in the one against Fulham. Like, it, uh, yeah, it was. But then, yes. The Fulham one. Oh, the volley? Yeah. The was that not in last month's? No, that was... Was it this month? Was that this month? Sure. I don't know. I think he's it's probably... Been a long I don't know. We're just, we're just in our own little... <laughs> I know there's a fun... Uh, everyone's having a laugh about it, but we are. We're, we're smashing but the, yeah, I mean, the month. Just, you know, if, if, if Almiron doesn't win player of the month, I mean, the guy is ahead of Messi, Mane, Jesus, Vinicius, Son and Salah in the European wow. goal scorings from attacking... What a player. So... What a handsome like fella. Almiron. Play like Almiron. Brilliant. Yeah. No, that's good. So, listen, we're going to wrap up the Newcastle. Our next game is away to Southampton. Tough game. We'll do our predictions middle of the week, but um, that's a tough game. Well, is it a tough game? Easy no, game. We can't no, be like that. It's not. No, no it, it's never. I think I think the thing now is that you, as Newcastle fans, well, I mean, certainly I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone here, but I don't expect Newcastle to win every game. But I, I look at fixtures and I think we've got a, we've got a chance. Yeah. We've got a chance. And I've, I've seen Newcastle lose some absolutely hideous games at Southampton back in the Pardew days, 4-0, 5 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but we have had some good results there recently. Obviously, Bruno scored that audacious little flip. Chris Wood got his first goal, remember, ahead of last season Max for us. scored in, in a win as well. So, yeah, 2-1. You know, 
I, I think with the confidence, you just you, you go into the game and you think we've got a chance. A minimum of a point there. Yeah. You'd be disappointed with a point, wouldn't we? Now it's that's how crazy it is. No, no, come on. Away, we've just got to Tottenham and beat Tottenham two one, <laughs> and we're, we're we're not holding out for a point. So we'll we'll hold back our predictions. But um, listen, Middlesbrough and Sunderland had a couple of interesting weeks. So Borra played yesterday, lost two one in the ninety first, ninety second minute. It's Michael Carrick's first game. Wasn't really in the mix when I spoke to Bowley. We'll bring Bowley and Paddy back on, but he wasn't really necessarily in the mix for the job. He was lower down, but wasn't talked about. Um, they're, they're out of the relegation form, out of the relegation zone. I don't even know if it's on because they're, I don't know what, how they're out of it because it must be goal scored maybe. But any thoughts, Steph, just quickly on, on Borough? I think with, with Carrick, I mean, obviously his first game, you, you never want to start on a, on a bad note, but I think the way that Borough have played and, and just the upheaval, I think it's going to probably take time for him to obviously come in and, and do what he wants with the team. I don't know how how much he changed the team yesterday from, mm. you know, when Leo's been in caretaker charge or when from, from when Wilder was there. But yeah. um, there's a lot to do with that, with that team and they have got a lot of talented players. It will be very interesting to see if he gets backed in January um, to, to spend some money himself and bring in a couple of these players that he might, might, might feel that the team needs. Yeah. It's a funny, it's a funny appointment, you know. I think you, you whilst you love to see young English coaches getting chances at, at, at big clubs, and Middles, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough are you know a big big club in the championship. Mm. They are, um, you know, he he's got he's got a great CV because he's worked with 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 coaches at Man United. Mm. He's worked with Mourinho. But I don't, I feel like it's a little bit of a gamble to bring him in because yeah. you know you. Know, what has he achieved on his own yet? But yeah. I suppose he needs that that chance. Yeah, everyone need everyone everyone needs a chance. I think that um, when I seen when I seen um, and this is the only bugbear I've got. When I what you've just said there, it's like we've just got Michael Carrick as our manager. He's won Champions League. He's what I'm like. He's won Premier Leagues this many da 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 da. da. And you're like, that was as a player. Mm. That wasn't as a coach. Now every now so what I would say is judge him on his coaching. Now he could be an absolute top class coach. And I hope he is, by the way. Local lad does a lot for the foundation. He's got his Michael Carrick Foundation. Does a lot for young people in the community. But what I would say is give him some time. <laughs> and I don't know, I'm hoping Borough fans and, and Steve Gibson have shifted their mindset to survival this season. And then that's still harnessing and hoping that they're going to get into the top into the playoffs. However, they're only 11 points off playoffs. So if they win the next six out of the next seven games, they're literally knocking on the playoffs. Yeah. However, if he loses the next six or seven out of ten, they're in a relegation dogfight, and do they sack him? And this is this is where I think football in England is is really it's struggling, and they need to Gibson needs to get a hold of this and just back this guy all the way through the season, whether he's terrible or whether he's fantastic, and then give him the summer to do whatever he needs. But good luck. I don't know if the championship teams off for the World Cup. Yes. Well, there you go. He's got a two month reprieval to really embed it. He's got a really long time to really embed it. So for me, get a couple of little results over the next couple of games. Get to there and get to the World Cup and just breathe. I think I think that you say that World Cup break will be massive for massive for any team who's who's got a, a apart from Newcastle. A new, <laughs> we don't want the bloody break. No, no <laughs> we're um, flying. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it's a good. It's it's it, it'll come at a good time, I guess. When yeah. Because it will give him time to get on the. On it's the like a preseason, isn't it? Really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a preseason. Yeah. He's got if he can get it. He's got a few free hit games, three or four games now to get him to to November, and it's like okay, have a break, impact your DNA, 
and then you can judge him because he's had almost that preseason. I don't know if he can sign players, but anyway. So let's jump to Sunderland. So just to let you know, there's seven points of playoffs, only four points of relegation now. So what that tells you what that league is. One minute they're like flying high. I spoke to Paddy and I spoke to a few others. They're not worried. They're not worried at all. They think, yeah. But it just shows you how ruthless that league is and how tight and congested it is. Like any team, there's no Fulham in that league. There's no Newcastle right now. Sheffield United and... um. It was a stat the other day. The team had lost five games, the same as Coventry or something like that, yeah. but they're top and they're bottom. Yeah. So it's a tough league. And if anyone puts a run together, they're going to go and do it. But what, what, it's going to be interesting when we get to November and we we'll see where Sunderland are. But what's your, what's, what's your thoughts on Sunderland now, Steph? Well, I mean, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself in the phone line here because I remember when I think it was a couple of, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the fact that they'd lost Ross Stewart. Mm-hmm. And I said that I thought they'd be absolutely fine without them. I thought that the, you know, the, I think the thing with Sunderland is they've got a very young squad. And, you know, you're in the championship, in the championship season, having a, having a very young squad across the board is going to be tough. Mm. It's, it's a slog. Um, and there's moments and games where you just need to have that game management, have that experience, have that nouse. Um, but yeah, they have struggled. They have struggled to score goals without him. Um, yeah, they are. And, and you know, after Mowbray's kind of had, he came in, they had, had a little, little bit of a bounce, and that, that seems to have fallen mm. away a little bit. Um, and, and you know, with him being Tony Mowbray and being, you know, an ex Borough manager, being a Borough guy, you know, Mr. Middlesbrough, really. Think they're going to turn know, on him quick then? Well, <laughs> if, 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 if results don't keep going away and they do get close at the, the bottom, then, yeah. you know, with it. He's an easy target for the fans well, he's, to go after. He's not known, and correct us if I'm wrong, Steph, he's not known as a front foot, excitable, you know, player from the back coach. I might be wrong. He's more of a, let's get into a dogfight, let's slog it out, and let's get us up I over the line. Think, I think Am I wrong in saying that? I think I would say he is like... He's not foot, a... But I wouldn't also say that he's he's he's, the, he's, he's a slogger. I think... I think so he's somewhere in between. He's somewhere in between. Right. His teams can't, like, you know, I remember watching Middlesbrough, you know, he, he, his Middlesbrough teams would, would play good football. Exciting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's a funny one with Sunderland because, like you say, I, I, I thought that I thought they would kick on and carry on being around the, the playoffs, but yeah. they dropped away. Um, and, and this is the, the real test for them now. Well, I think looking back, and we'll have a review in November when the World Cup comes around, I said 16th. What did you say, like 18th, 19th? 18th yeah. So we both had them to stay up. I think they're doing kind of what I thought they would do. They'd win one, lose one, draw one, lose two, win two, draw one, lose one. No consistency. Nah, they're gonna yeah. this is this is to stay in that league, if you can and then they might go on a run of winning three in a row, and that could be enough every now and then. So they are kind of where they are. So listen, um Borough away to Hull in the next game, another tough game. And you know, and, and Sunderland are away to Huddersfield. So I think both of them by November, by the time that World Cup window shuts almost, if they can be above the line and a good few points above the line, they'd be happy and then just breathe over there and breathe. So good luck to them both. Um, so I think that wraps up the Northeast. We're not going to dig into everyone else. We're not going to dig into the lower leagues. So good little spell there. And what we're going to do now is we're going to head into our special guest interview. Hi, guys. This is Kyle on the morning after. This week, we welcome Jasmine Manda as our special guest. We hope you enjoy this next segment of our show. Welcome back. That was a great little segment there. Uh, but this is the most important part of the show. We have a special guest on today, and she is a special guest. She was born in Richmond, Canada, 
she uh, was voted, was it last year or the year before, in the top 100 powerful females in Canada, would you believe? Um, she's a former underage international with Canada Soccer Women. Um, and now she's currently working as under-15 head coach with the women's team, under-17 assistant coach with the women's team, and also is an analyst for the first team, which is the national team. She won a gold medal. It feels like yesterday. I think it was 20. She's going to she's going to prove us wrong or right in 2020, 2020. I'm going to say 2020. Might have been 2021, but I'll let her tell us. And she's a very good friend of mine. I'd like to welcome onto the show Jasmine Manda. Marty, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. And although it was 2020 Olympics, the pandemic year pushed it on so 2021 but you, you got both right i was right eh? on both sides i'm a genius jasmine i'm, I'm a hedging <laughs> bet as we call it so jasmine to give the to give the listeners some context i met you i arrived in canada for a little stint with the vancouver whitecaps i came along um had a couple of months working with some people and then all of a sudden jasmine manda came along and i spotted you working with these kids and these young females absolutely loved you and you know what i learned a lot from you even though we're both kind of learning as we go we got along so well you're a fantastic human being and that's what we want on this show extraordinary people in an extraordinary game you're a very extraordinary person you've gone on to prove and gone on to do some fantastic things so so jazz like listen like why soccer go all the way back go all the way back i don't know how far you want to go but why why soccer jasmine yeah, no, I think it's been such a big part of my life now. So having the understanding and that the, the family's dynamic and how important sport was from day one was probably key. I think probably like similar to most coaches and, and players like my dad played. So when he had kids, my brother played when he was older and I tagged along. So it was just kind of embedded in our childhood from from early doors, even though we came to Canada. Uh, I was born here, but obviously it's very much a hockey country, but we'd come from. Yeah a football background so that's been a the why and i think it's probably a similar story for most when the family's in you're in as well and it makes up a lot of your weekends and weeknights for a lot of my childhood growing up so it's uh it's been a really big part of, of my life now as well so like i met you must have been four years ago so you were in your 20s i'm not giving away your age but uh you're in your 20s so take us back i read online and I, we used to talk a lot but i read online you started at four so tell us, so we got a lot of listeners from around the world, but mostly from England. So just give us a little bit of background on, on what the Canadian landscape is and, and for a young four-year-old girl who wants to go and play and likes Christine Sinclair, I guess. Yeah, no, I was four years old when I started, like you say, and um, I was fortunate enough to, to be involved in girls' teams early on. But in the summertime, there was no girls' teams. So we, I was playing in in boys teams up until about U8, U9 over, over the summertime to keep up because I loved playing. I didn't want to miss a season in any way. And then the pathway was quite simple for us. Um, obviously, as a big country, we kind of separate ourselves into provinces. So from the club football landscape um, to like my city team, you get invited to provincial teams. And then based on your provincial teams, you get invited to national programs. And that's where I was fortunate to be identified for the under 15s and 17s as my first experiences. And I think once you're into those international areas, the opportunity to go into collegiate soccer opens up as well. And that's where I made the choice to play for the university of British Columbia, ended up getting my undergrad and master's degree there while playing. And then obviously becomes a time where you have to consider, am I going to make that jump to professional football or do I need to look at careers outside of that? And 
Mm-hmm. I think for myself, I had a good, you know, realistic understanding of my abilities. And I think um, I was probably better suited to the academic space. And I've been doing my coaching licensing, you know, alongside my playing journey, which I was thankful for because when, when I finished playing, I was able to open that door as well. So that, that was a bit of my journey. And I think, um, yeah, like I mentioned before, the family is a big impact in supporting that throughout because it's not always common, especially for a first generation, you know, Indian Canadian uh, woman to be supported in that space in the sports world. So I was very fortunate to have that guidance early on. So in England, we kind of had, um, I guess the females growing up didn't have loads of role models. However, in Canada, how aware of you as a young girl growing up, a girl who's born in BC of Christine Sinclair, how aware of you of her now you've, you kind of work alongside her, which is crazy, but how aware of you of her and what was the impact she had on your, on a young girl? there yeah you can't even measure it I think we were out watching at the time Christine Sinclair played it for a Vancouver club just down the road so we were able to go to their games and you know look back at the pictures now they actually were star-studded with with lots of players that were in the national program um Christine Sinclair Carl Lang were players that we looked up to and I know that now with like the European championships in England over the summer it's going to be you know the Leah Williamson's of the group that are going to inspire young players so it's something I didn't appreciate at the time that we had, you know, arguably one of the best female footballers in the world in our backyard, but the impact was, was massive. It was like the common household name um, and obviously a fantastic player and, and get to see now a fantastic person too. So those little things, they, they mattered. And then when you get your first Jersey, you want to be number 12 too, because of Sinclair. And that's when you start to realize the impact it's had um, across generations really. And And that's, I think the, the context for anyone listening from England is Canada women's team until recently was everything to that country, right? It was huge. Whereas in England, it's like club first and England men's team. So I think the, 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 the change in Canada was it was women's teams first before anything in soccer, right? Yeah, it's absolutely true. And obviously like now the men's program going to the world cup is going to be the most exciting thing I've probably seen in the men's side yeah. in my lifetime, but yeah, the women's program was drawing, you know, over 40,000 people into a stadium for, you know, as long as I can remember for international matches. Um, it's not uncommon for for male players to have female jerseys and, and vice versa. So we were very lucky in that sense that the women's program is adored in this country, like East Coast to West Coast. And a lot of that Olympic success and the legacy that those projects have left has inspired not just like the soccer players, but across other sports too. If, you know, someone might not watch football week in week out but when the women's national team is playing you know they find a reason to turn their tv on i think that's quite special to this team no it's great but i'm going to go on two things i watched kadisha play today for chelsea so you've got canadians jesse fleming adrian leon at manchester united it's fantastic to see them coming over now but but just a quick bit of context and i'm not going to put you on the spot because i can't remember how many goals sinky scored you probably can but sinky as we as everyone knows that um is the leading goal scorer for male and, and female in the entire world, right? And in national soccer. So for anyone in England looking saying, who's Christine Sinclair? This girl, this woman is the GOAT, right? And she is 39 now, is she Jasmine? 38? Yeah, no, 39. It's I think it's wow. 100 and over 90 goals and Jesus. second in uh, international caps too. So wow. over, over 300. So yeah, just um, an absolute legend of the game. And, and so humble, right? Like you wouldn't even know. Yeah, like the type of player, you know, if she ever picked up an injury, she's still the one grabbing the bags off the bus. And 
for young players to see that it's just, yeah, the best role model they can really have on and off the pitch. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So, so Jasmine, so we've got a sense of why you started playing. We got, we, you had a really good playing career up to uh, the teenage years. And then all of a sudden you kind of, you had a great time at UBC winning national championships, something changed. What is the transition like? And what is the moment tough when you realize that it's you're going to turn from turn your attention from a pro player and then all of a sudden you're you working in local clubs, learning your trade as a coach? What is the transition like for someone in their 20s to to go into coaching? What was it, what was it like for you? Yeah, I was really fortunate. I think like one of my first jobs actually was to be a, a football referee. So oh. I think finding ways to work in the game was always something that was important to me. And I think that transition was less significant because I was pursuing my coaching badges while playing. Mm-hmm. And it was a very flexible way to, you know, go to training in the morning and then coach grassroots football in the evening. So it was a great way to kind of, you know, have some of that pocket income. Yeah. And then I think where things started to shift is when I started my coach education in like the high performance pathway, yeah. I started to become really interested in kind of like how things are being taught and the order they're being taught, um, different types of activities, um, the different coaching styles. And I think that like interest in teaching started to develop for me. And then I was starting to look at my own playing and coaches that I had had in a different light that I hadn't before. So I knew that it was going to be a big part of my life when I didn't quite know when that would be, but I knew it wasn't going to be going anywhere. And I just loved working with, you know, the players on the pitch, any age group. I mean, you and I worked with anywhere from you sixes to, you know, under 18 players and, and now older. So I just really knew I loved being part of the game and teaching it and and discussing it. So I think that part um, was a bit of a natural transition, but is it always hard to swallow that you're not going to be, you know, the next Christine Sinclair? It is, but then you realize that you actually grow up to love a lot of other parts of the game too, um, and that you'll always be playing in some capacity. So I was very fortunate to have, um, you know, academic interest and interest outside of playing that made that transition really smooth and good mentors to make sure that, you know, I was going to enjoy myself throughout. Yeah, no, I think you're a, you're a special talent. And I think one thing we talked about recently was some of the most important learnings we talked about and and what what I tried to instill in young coaches is around, around the analysis piece. And you talked about before and how important that piece was to kind of get you in and around the top people, but also probably understand the game Jasmine would you would you like to just dig into that piece of the game because I think it's a game a part of the game which younger coaches especially who are, who are looking to climb the ladder need to start focusing on yeah like I wish I knew how important analysis was five years ago because I would have been in, implementing it within the grassroots game a lot sooner and it doesn't have to be complicated it could have just been simple things like using a first bit of the session to review the video from the the match on the weekend or sharing that footage with, with players and assigning a task. And I wish I had done those things and, and known the importance and ease of it, because even the skill set to, to clip things, put it into meetings it is a standard practice in international and professional uh, football. So, you know, when the opportunity came, I think it was one of those where I just thought it was a great opportunity to have a seat at the table. I, was, I wanted to listen and learn. I thought it was a great way to be part of those conversations and, you know, be part of a senior international technical team. Like what, what a dream for, for someone. So I think I, I recently had someone gave me some advice or advice they'd received is, you know, there's one thing to chase your passion and then, you know, become passionate about what you are doing. And I think that's where I've started to find what are the parts of analysis that I am passionate about and just keep diving into those spaces 
Yeah, Although I love yeah. being on the pitch and that's, you know, where the under 15s and 17s have really provided that platform. I think being really interested in being the best analyst I can be as well is mm-hmm. important to making sure I love that, that component because it's not a glorified job. Like, you know, you are recording a lot of practices and, you know, yeah. long nights, whether you're coding or getting ready for stuff. So I think finding ways to be passionate about it has been important because I do understand how important it is for my development as a coach. Oh, can you can you send me some of that passion for analysis? Because it's one thing that I've always found difficult. But no, I admire you for that. And you've got to put a lot of hours in and, and, and probably five, six, seven, eight hours coding a game by yourself and your eyes go like, your eyes turn, you know, they go like matchsticks in, you need to do that stuff. So it's fantastic you do it. So, you know, that transition into starting to work and becoming really competent in analysis, Jasmine, kind of moved you into the national scene, right? And you kind of obviously worked at the White Caps, but then you worked in the national scene. And so how did that, how was that transition, you know, from, from club football to, you know, professional clubs, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, national team. I know you'd been in there and played, but it's, it's a different environment, I guess. And you're going to the Olympics as well. God damn it. Like, come on. It's, it's a big ask. No, it was massive. And I think to have the curtain pulled back of what coaching at that level was like was, really cool to see because I didn't know things like, you know, the importance of set plays or the detail that goes into set plays, for example, um, the amount of conversations that go into creating a balanced roster and how to give feedback to players. And when they're starting, when they're not starting all these conversations, they weren't things that I I ever had to do as a grassroots coach. Um, But I wish I had in the landscape of that. And I think I, in my head, I just said, well, you know, get really good at the analysis and then that will get a lot like, easier for me and give me more capacity to do more of the on-field coaching and focus on on those things so it became about like don't just do the job you have do the job that you want and I knew that if I could just get the basics of the analysis out of the way that I could say well I've got capacity for more now and those are maybe more of the roles that I was um kind of had my eye on and we're very lucky how much analysis has changed in the last 10 years like You'll be so glad to hear long gone are the days of coding overnight. Yes, yes. You've got these instats and Y scouts that code the games and individual clips for you. So I think it was just about how do I get really good and comfortable um, at using the resources and work a little bit smarter because you, you know how, how it can be. It's, it's mm. not uncommon for analysts to share stories about all-nighters on the yeah. match day plus one. But uh, I was very fortunate that you know our staff has been very specific about what they want. So you never end up doing endless uh, work that doesn't get used either. Yeah, and you're not absolutely dead on uh, on your feet. So, right, take us to one of these two moments. When the was, which one came first? Was it the Olympics or was it the under fifteen role? Which one do you want to go to first? You take us because they were both special moments, I guess, for you. Yeah, really special. The Olympics came first, and then a few months after that, I was offered the under fifteen role. Um, as a result of the work that I've been put in throughout that year leading into the Olympics. And I think the Olympics was an opportunity for me to see firsthand what it takes to to win. And I think it was the decision-making along the way. Like you need to know when to stick to the plan, when to shift the plan. Um, And that takes a lot of, that will use the word, a lot of bravery as well, because it's not always easy to make those decisions in tournament, you know, against top teams. And there's not a lot of room for error. So being part of that was was special. Tokyo, what an incredible city. Olympics, I never knew how special an event was. I remember going to the the, the meal rooms and, and looking at different athletes and thinking, this is the fittest group of people I've ever seen in my life. And obviously it's a bunch of Olympians. So 
a really unique experience. Um, came home and saw the impact it had nationally. I think, you know, Bev will tell you stories of eating at restaurants and people just walk past you and say, hey, this one's on me. And you can see what it meant to Canadians to, to have that gold medal finally come home after two bronze performances. So it was really special. Um, and then obviously having the chance to, to be an age group head coach at a championship for the first time, you know, it's a different boat, you know, 14 year olds, they're more likely to get homesick and they're just so happy to wear the Jersey for the first time. And you're managing those emotions and senior level. It's, it's why am I not starting? I need more time. Um, a lot more of those conversations. So it was nice to see the lens uh, of how that can be different. And, um, yeah, it was something that I'll I'll cherish for a long time. And so with the players, anytime you wear the national team Jersey for the first time, I, I know it's a memory that that stays with you forever. No, it's amazing. And, um, I'm going to give a shout out to Bev. Um, obviously John, some of the foundations, you know, we've got two people from concert 10 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Can you believe little old concerts producing Olympians like that? And it's incredible. So Bev's done an amazing job and well done. Yeah. I watched the photos. I watched, I stayed up at night, you know, Canada winning, you know, going against the odds. I mean, come on. I mean, America were favorites. I mean, even Sweden, like Great Britain, you had Ray in there obviously as well. It was fantastic. And then did you help out with the penalties? Come on, your something was going on. Them penalties were superb. Eh? You won three on penalties or two two penalty shootouts and beat America on the penalties? Yeah, well, like you said, two penalty shootouts. And then the U.S. game, obviously the first time beating U.S. in I think over 22 years was on a penalty. And then to come back in the game against Sweden was also on a penalty as well. So it, it was a big part of what Bev brought in from the FA. Like a lot of work and research has gone into penalty processes. Mm-hmm. So her background in that was something we implemented in, in the pre-tournament. And my role was just to help kind of gather the statistics of which players were trending in terms of, you know, who's been scoring their penalties in training and club matches to help kind of inform some of that decision-making of, you know, the takers and the order and things like that. But it really was a big part of the match planning and prep of, you know, you get to extra time, who's still on the field and then who's the taker is going to be, do we need to make subs? So, you know, those conversations, what people will never see uh, were happening well into the night, but proved to be really critical in the end. No, it's amazing. And and whatever Steph Labby was, you know, she was the happy, I've never seen anyone enjoy penalties so much. And it was incredible. If you, if you've never seen the penalty shootout, please watch it because the goalkeeper, Steph Labby in the final of the biggest game of their history, it's pretty much having the time of my life out there, Jasmine, right? She's giggling, she's laughing, but she's got, you know, it, it was insane. I remember watching it, but I just remember you running on the pitch and diving on top of people and, and the rest of them. I was so proud, but um, listen, Jazz, it's, um, you know, it's it's unbelievable to see, your, you know, your transition and, and how you move. What, what impact has it made? Like, obviously, I've not been there for... Well, I moved to, to New Brunswick, so I haven't been in and around it since the Olympics. I actually left last June. So I just missed the Olympics. So I haven't seen the impact. Would I go back now, Jasmine, and see a totally different place or would it still feel the same or would it be different, do you think, now with what's happened with the men's and the women's side? Yeah, I think some things will always be the same in terms of there's, you know, hardworking people in grassroots football across the country that um, have always done it for the right reasons. So I think that would be, you know, always consistent. But where I think there's been a slight shift is the, is in the expectations of both national programs. And I think the players are now dreaming bigger than ever. There's this expectation that, you know, men's teams will qualify for the World Cup and compete well. 
And I think for the women's players, there's an expectations that, you know, we want to be a tournament winning country. So yeah, it's yeah. like world cup, you know, we want to win it Olympics. We want a gold medal. And I think there is starting to be less of a mentality that just coming second or third is, is okay. Actually, we're going to be disappointed yeah. with anything, but the full achievement. So I think that's where there's been a really nice shift and uh, belief that's now kind of been instilled to young players and players looking to make that jump professionally is we're seeing Canadians do things that they've never done before domestically or internationally. So I think that has probably been a little bit of a shift in the last uh, 18 months in particular. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but is the pro league coming Jasmine? Is it coming? Is, is it going to be coming? Is that just still the, the 25 million billion dollar question or what? Cause that's one thing I think everyone would love. And yeah. No, I sure hope so. I know they've put some appointments in place that are responsible for coming up with a strategic plan to deliver it. And I think from a coach education perspective, player development opportunities, we've seen what the Canadian premier league on the men's side has done over the last couple of years and kind of bridging that gap. So it's massively needed. And I, it's always, you know, something sounds like we're going to bring when, who knows, who, who knows how, don't know, but yeah, I it's, thought I was uh, going to get an works. exclusive. I thought you were going to give yeah. us an exclusive saying, Hey Marty, I'm going to drop a, a breaking news. It's coming out next week, Marty. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, uh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. So it, that would be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it, Jasmine? And when that day comes, that's going to be just as big as a bronze medal, a silver medal, a gold medal. That's going to be huge to everyone in it. So I wait and I fingers crossed for that day because I know the hard work that goes in from, you know, for for little things like you, Jasmine, a four-year-old, there was no guarantee of you going pro. You know, you, there's no pro team in the, in the pro, you know what I mean? Within a, how many miles radius, you know, it's, we're here at least there's opportunities. You've got Newcastle Sun and Middlesbrough, you know, you've got them everywhere. I can walk out the house and, and pick them up. So, okay, Jasmine, listen, what a, what a conversation. I don't know if, you, you know, hopefully you've listened to a couple of these. You do realize that I always finish in the 10 questions at the end. You Bring it on. Let's do it. You're going to do it. So fingers crossed. All right. So you don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to have a kinesiology degree. You don't have to have all of these football qualifications to answer these, like literally you could be Homer Simpson. You could answer these. So give us your best Jasmine. All right. So okay. number one, soccer or football? Football. Good Jasmine. Cause I've said soccer <laughs> a few times, Do you know, Jasmine, I blame you guys because I came home from Canada and I said, soccer, I said, pennies, pug nets oh, and I was no. getting slapped all over the place. P kids were looking at me and I couldn't get rid of it. I still say these words. All right, so United States or England? Oh, England all day. Good one, yes, yes. Yeah. I know what this one's going to be, Abby Wambach or Christine Sinclair. Easy. Has to be Sinky, easy one. Um, hockey or tennis? I love hockey. You like your, you like your hockey, yeah, you do. Beer or wine? Big wine person. I mean, cocktails yeah. are nice, but wine is, yeah. Beer's never gone down easy here. Oh, I mean, I, oh, wow. Okay, I thought you liked the beer, Jazz. I couldn't remember. I was I was hoping next time I come over, you know, you can shout as one. So, uh, all right, well, I'll remember that for next time. Um, can you lend me 25 bucks? No doubt. 25 bucks, I know Brilliant. what that is. Yeah, I'll, we transfer it later. That That's like a, a transfer system from Canada to England. We'll sort that out. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, poutine or maple syrup? Uh, maple syrup, need that on the pancakes on a Sunday uh, morning. <laughs> um, Banff or Jasper? Uh, Banff. I haven't um, been to either, but if you come to Canada, that's oh, the place to be. So I went to Jasper and I went to the lake. Do you know what the lake's called? Lake something. Lake Louise. Oh my God. 
I spent two nights there. I didn't go to Banff, but my God, that was that was heaven. That was heaven. Mm. That so yeah. Um, Justin Trudeau or Justin Bieber? That's actually a really tough one. Love oh, both. I got you. Yeah. No, you've got me on that one. I mean, I'm a fan of Bieber's transformation, but yeah, Trudeau <laughs> represents us well too. And he came and said hello to the team in Ottawa. So yeah. Trudeau for, for this. But yeah, love so them both. Justin Bieber's a massive listener. I know he won't be happy about this, Jasmine. He's calling <laughs> you, so that's trouble for you. Newcastle, last one, or Liverpool? I uh, see you've caught me here because we've got quite a big Liverpool staff. You've so there as well, haven't you? Your Liverpool, your girl from um Yeah, Riley yeah. Foster is there. Yes. So we've got some deep roots with Liverpool. So well, you know, I might Bev, have to stay that me, here. John, Bev, me, and John are all big Newcastle fans. So just think carefully, Jasmine, before you say Newcastle or Liverpool. Come on, have a think. No, no, I gotta think of our assistant coach, also Liverpool supporter, our goalkeeping coach. So, yeah, it's a split jury on it, but we'll take whoever whoever's higher in the table at the end of the season. Okay, so right now Liverpool are higher than Newcastle, just so you've copped out on that one. I'm really upset about that, Jasmine. I'm really upset. You're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of listeners over that. But uh, fair play, fair play. You've gone Liverpool. I know you have. I've had to try and uh, twist your arm, but maybe we'll talk about that off air for sure. So. Jasmine, so listen, what I'm going to do now, we always want people to link in here. You've got a Twitter account. You've got social media accounts. Like you say, you you know, you post things around about the women's game and you've got some tournaments coming up. I don't know how soon, so I'm going to put the ball into you. You've got under 15, 17s and you've got the Women's World Cup next. Have you qualified? Have you still got to qualify for the Women's World Cup? Yeah, we've qualified for the Women's World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand. So we're just, we're full steam ahead on that prep. So in terms of, you know, when you can see the program next is we've got upcoming window in Spain. We're going to play Argentina and Morocco. And then for myself personally, I'll go straight to India for the under 17 Women's World Cup where Canada, we're, we're in a group against France, Japan and Tanzania. So it'll be three really good, tough matches to get out of the group there. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a busy October, lots of time on the field. And obviously in 2023, all eyes on the Women's World Cup. So yeah, should be really exciting 12 months ahead here. Oh, really excited for you. I'm going to be following and, and, and just a kudos to Jasmine. She has COVID-19 right now. She's she's only got mild symptoms, but she's tough. She's a tough cookie, Jasmine. She's probably got heavy symptoms and she's just fighting them off. She's a she's a really strong character. Jasmine, I'm really proud to watch you from afar. Like, I'm sure I will see her at some point again, whether it's in England or in, in Canada again soon. So tell everyone I'm asking. Um, we're going to follow you closely and, and good luck with everything. And Speak soon, Jasmine. I appreciate Marty. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, hope you get some good sleep with your little one. Keep me up now. I know that's uh yeah, something that's been different from last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah. I think you're shocked when you've seen all the gray hairs and that. So anyway, we'll move on. Thanks. Uh, take care, Jasmine. Let's see you soon. I appreciate it. Hi, guys. Bye. If you're not sick of my voice already, please head over to our social media accounts. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The People's football podcast and on twitter you can find us at the tpfp our social medias contain polls information and overall fun football banter so please have a look We go uh, head to head with uh, the Wally. I mean, sorry, um, the wise man Wilson versus uh, Stephanie Clark or AKA Steph Erdman. Um, and, and usually Steph 
I, I do everything I can to get Kyle to win and usually he still doesn't win even though I give him like treble bonus points and 100 points for it. So Steph, I think you're about 4-1, 4-2 up on that, aren't you? On the head-to-head. Oh, -head. So yeah, not to be uh, bragging, but you're, you're a very humble lady. But So what we're going to do, you're not going to go against anyone. You're going to go against yourself today. <laughs> so there's 10 questions and I, do you know what? It's going to really test you because some of these you might only be in a couple of years old. But I'm going to really test you and it's about the Premier League, okay? Do you want to do it or not? Oh, I'm up first. You mad for it? I'm mad for it. Well, I did it and I got 10 out of 10. Well, you know the answers though. Well, that's a different uh, kettle of fish. That's a different story. But anyway, moving on. So, right. Premier League era. 10 questions. Okay. You ready? ready. Let's go. Let's go. Which player scored the fastest hat-trick in Premier League history? Holland? In 2 minutes, 56 seconds. Well, Can you believe that? Do you, do you want, do you want to put go, that in? The answer's incorrect. I'll give you one more. Um, 2015 versus Aston Villa. And it wasn't for the club you became a legend at. Michael Owen? No. So it was Sadio Mane. Oh. For Southampton. Oh, Southampton. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember that, you know. Bet you do. Um, <laughs> okay. So, next question. Which player with 653 games has made the most Premier League appearances? I'll give you, you can ask me a question if you want. Is it a goalkeeper? No. Terrible question. <laughs> I'll give you one more question. Frank Lampard? That's not a question, that's an answer. Do you want to ask us one more question? <laughs> Your striker? No. Jesus Christ. Could it not be something like, is he still playing or is he retired? Would that not be a good question? <laughs> Probably, yeah. What do you want to ask? Is he still playing? No. <laughs> Does it help um, you? No, not really. Um, you know exactly who he is. Steven Gerrard? He's in that mould, but he wasn't as good as them. Last one. Nowhere near as good as them, but in that mould. You've said two players who he's very similar to. Probably in the middle of them two. Kevin Davies? No. Uh, Gareth Barry. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you did this, obviously. Okay, number three. This could be a record. You could get none out of ten. Three players share the record for the most Premier League red cards. Who are they? Come on, you, you do know them. You do know all three of these. If you get one, I'll give you... Well, I'll give you a point for each. Roy Keane? Nope. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Granite Jagger? Nope. Oh. But similar. Similar player. Oh, my God. All three are retired now. Are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Come on, use I your brain. don't think my feet, man. One played for Newcastle. <sighs> one played for Newcastle. Red cards. Uh, Steven Taylor? Think nutters. Like, three hard men. If you're going to pick a hard men team, two two of them would definitely get in there. The other one would probably, I forgot about him, but he's, one's a centre-back, one's a striker, one's a centre-midfielder. Um, uh, Any? No, I can't think. One's French, one's Irish, one's Scottish. Patrick Vieira. Right, thank God. Irish. Not Roy uh, Keane. Not Roy Keane. John O'Shea? No. Kevin Kilbarn? No. He's the <laughs> nicest man in football. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, God. So I've got... I need the defender and the striker. Yeah. And he won them play for Newcastle. Colicini? Scottish. Is Colicini <laughs> Scottish, is he? Colicini Scottish. I don't think he was. Played for us that was Scottish. And said, Look, I can't think. Come on, man. You're, yeah. you're looking out the window seeing if I was Sunday dinners arrived. That's why. It's horrendous. 
Scottish, six foot three, nutter, hard as nails. Yes, thank God. Centre back, played for Aston Villa, went to Man City, Man City, Aston Villa, Irish centre back, captain, nearly 100 times. Yeah, you're getting zero (laughs) points, zero points. Okay, with 260 goals, if you don't get this one, you're a disgrace. Who was the Premier League's all time top goal scorer? Sure. Wow. This one, this one's tricky, by the way. I think you'll get it. I would have got it. Well, I did get it. When was the inaugural Premier League season? 1991. 1991, 1992. 1992. said ask you questions i'm asking all oh, right well no that's like you know there's only a handful of teams i would guess first who do you think it is man united correct see um with 202 clean sheets which keeper has the best rock in the premier league i think you'll get this one and it's not nick pope it's not it's nick not pope, pope. Um, no. is it peter schmeichel oh i thought you had it no oh. Take out the E and Peter, and then you get something else. Petter check. <laughs> hey, I'll give you half a point. Um, how many clubs competed in the inaugural Premier League season? That's a great question, Ooh. by the way. So take your time, because the listeners might know or not know. How many teams? I actually didn't know this one. I would have potentially have guessed it, because you wouldn't normally ask that, because there's 20 teams now, but how many teams took part in that season? I'm going to go with 18. 22. Oh, I was either going to go two more, two less than now. Okay, so last two questions. Which three players shared the Premier League Golden Boot in 2018, 2019? All very top good players. So so I'm going to go with Harry Kane. Nope. You are horse manure. <laughs> horse manure at this game. Okay. Oh, Salah? One point. Money? Two points. Get the last one. I'll give you, I'll give you all three points Jamie Vardy incorrect oh. one more one more guess one more guess take your time so you've gone Salah 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 Mane and Salah Mane and there's one of them ask us a question two I'll ask you two, you can ask two questions does the player play for a traditional top four team oh well um, tell us who your top four is really quickly Chelsea Liverpool, Man City, Aguero. Is that a team? No, it's not Aguero. <laughs> you, you, why did you do that, folks? I was going to give. So, <laughs> so you didn't the team. You didn't see his team there, but the fact that I went back at you and went, oh, you know it's close. So come on, last one. All right, last guess. So it's either Spurs or Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So. No, Aubameyang. Oh, you are terrible at this. I'd be interested to see what oh, Kyle say. I bet you Kyle would smash this out the park. This, this is the one Kyle would have beat you, I think. Okay, I think I think you might get this. The only reason I, I'll get it is because I remember they did a card on FIFA about it. Um, and it was it's a, like a, a record breaker card. The fastest goal in the Premier League history came in 7.69 seconds. Who was it? So, for a long time, I know... I feel like Shearer had this, but I don't know if he still has it. Mm-hmm. Well, can I just say, you've just said his name in that little sentence. Shearer? No, no. Say what you said for, what did you say? For a long time. So his name's in that sentence. 
His name is in that sentence. <laughs> oh, Shane Long. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jeff. Oh but you've got God. that. You no chance you've got that. Sorry, no, you are so slow today. No. You've got Yorkshire puddings on the brain. <laughs> Just to let everyone know, it's quarter past two. I was dinner was supposed to be here, but at half one. So we're, our bellies are rumbling. We're looking over our shoulders, walking the dogs home, barking. Our bloody dinner turns up. Did you definitely book out on the dinner step? Tell us <laughs> the truth. Because if Sunday dinner doesn't come now, I am going to be raging because I've just been thinking about this for the last two weeks, like since I've been well since last week. So anyway, that was a poor, poor effort, Steph. That that. Was, um, you got I'm the Shira one. That's it. No, I didn't. Okay. No, I, how are you? I'll give you clues for everything. So basically, oh, your knowledge of Premier League is very bad. You no, know I'm very, I'm very like really bad on the spot, especially when you like ever since I had and I can't think straight. Oh, he were gone. I mean, I blame him for he were gone. Blaming the little fella again, uh, inadequacies. Uh, anyway, yeah, okay. All right, and so listen, uh, that was just one of the the little questions. So Steph got beat off herself. That's one nil to Steph's alter ego there because that was pathetic. So is listen, Steph Clark or Steph Herdman? who do you want to be? Do you want to blame the Herdman Clark, name or the Clark name? Steph Clark definitely beats Steph Herdman. All right, so Steph Herdman. Herdman gets the blame again, for God's sake. That's my fault, probably, for Marina. Right, so listen, um, we're going to move into the FPL, and there's been a massive shift in the FPL. And what I'll say is that um, Super Darren Ross, what a guy from the, the Newcastle United Foundation. He's come from, like I think, I remember 20th to like 18th. 15th, 12th. I've not even mentioned the guy because I just assumed that he wasn't going to be able to get up there because it's such a big jump to 8th to 5th last week. He went up to 1st last night and he's only 2nd because Kieran Gray, whoever the hell this Kieran Gray is, we need to you to come on, buddy. Please, someone, find out who this Kieran Gray is because he's now top of the league with 813 points. Darren Ross in 806. And it's really, really nice to know that Josh Textera. Uh, Mr. I would eat myself if I was chocolate, uh, Textera is now. Oh, is that Sunday dinner? No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Bloody hell. Missy, get out of it. Uh, Mr. Josh Textera is now down to 801 points. So he's knocked off his perch. So whether he's doing it to, to just uh, set a little test and he got bored, that's what he said. He was getting bored. Can I just say as well, Dan Brown, remember he was top and he's falling away. Where the hell is he? 20th. God, where are you, Dan? down to 24 and how many points has he got 700 points down. so he's now 115 he was absolutely flying at the beginning um and he's, he's dropped right off so he's doing the the bruins a disservice so he always listens he's our top man we're going to bring him on the podcast sooner or later but to be honest dan you've dropped down our list with that pathetic performance so you better get back in the top 10 and we'll think about bringing you on big guy um shockers of the week the usual the conley's just sitting there bottom Thomas Conley must have joined there because he's got 368 points, like 400 points off the top. Chris Conley on 583. He's played every single game from the beginning of the season. He plays every week. Just disgusting performance, like 250 points off at this point, 583. Just disgusting. I'm just going to keep putting it in there unless you give us some more money for sponsorship, mate, and I'll I'll probably try and say some nice things about you. But, um, yeah, so listen, um, just between us, Steph, is... Number in sixth place, I had a had a decent week, fifty one points. At one point, I had Salah captain. I had um, Trippier really got us some big points. I had some big points off. Um, you know, Ed, I put Edward in. Now he's injured. He got us a couple of points. So I'm I'm in sixth place on seven hundred ninety five. So I'm only like I'm only twenty three points off the top. You know, not even that, am I? Seventeen, eighteen points off top. Uh, Steph, the cockroach, is eighth. 
<laughs> 781, six off me, like 30 points off the top. Kyle, 692, buddy. You're still in that mediocre spot, 26 point, uh, 26 in the league. So you had a better week, son. You're on 60 points, but well done. Well done, matey. But uh, we haven't got Kyle the Wally giving us tokens through his uh, FPL. We've got Steph, um, the Serenader Herdman on. So, Steph, give us your wise tips today, please. So I'm just looking at my team, actually. Um, and I don't like to give up people too much help because, you know, I am... The cockroach. <laughs> no, I'm just competitive and I like to do well. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to probably have to make a few changes to my team. Um, I'm looking at it and, well, I said this to you yesterday, actually, didn't I, when we were, like, walking back to the car from, from the match um, that, you know... I might have to take Jesus out. I've stuck with him actually most of the season, if not all of the season, if I can remember rightly. And he just, he isn't scoring enough goals for me, is he? Well, they're playing live now, aren't they? Yeah, they're, 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 I mean, if he has a good week this week, gets a couple of goals and a couple, a couple of assists against Forrest, then mm. uh, he stays in. But if he doesn't, then I'm going to have to relook at that for sure. Yeah. Um. Obviously, <laughs> every single Holland. player, wow. every single player in FPL is now wondering. You take them out, can you? No, I mean, you can't take them out, but I think you've just got to make sure that you, 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 you whoever you're getting in to take it, to come in but does it depend, Steph, when you got him? I got him when he was 11.8 million. You probably got him at 11.7 or 6 or something. I had him in from the start. And yeah. now he's worth 12.3 million. Yeah, so yeah. if you if you, if you you got him like two weeks ago and you got him at 12.2, you're probably not missing a lot. But if you take him out, you're half a million down yeah. if you want to put him back in. So it's a really tricky one on Haaland. I'm keeping him in for even if he had a... Even if he's out for three years, I'd just keep him in. <laughs> it's quite expensive. Play, well, he is, but you ne- just never know if he's got 25%. I'm keeping him in. So, yeah, and, and I think, like, looking at the fixtures next week, we've got a couple of juicy, juicy games. So, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool. I kind of don't like it when those those games yeah, are. no gimme, is there? You know, you, you look down the fixture list and you always want to see, like, a gimme, like, a, right. I don't know, like, I mean... City versus, like, Bournemouth at home or something like that. Or, something, but... or Newcastle versus... Uh, Against Aston Villa at home. So, so I think I think this week I think it's about looking for like defenders who are from like you yeah. know you're looking at your likes of Newcastle. Um, I've got Trippier and Shaw in, and Shaw is looking at seventy five percent. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, you're looking at like Newcastle players, and um, even um, God, like you put Wilson in, didn't you last yesterday? Did. You snuck that one on us yesterday. You got two assists and two goals. Bloody hell! I think I think he's he's a good price, and I World think Cup. when you look at he obviously wants to go to the World Cup. Mm. Southampton away, it's a chance to score. Even Chelsea at home is a chance chance for him. So I think he's a good option to have in for sure. I'm wrong. I was so close to putting him in two so weeks ago. You... And now he's like 5.3 million. I, I know it's... it's, But I don't want to lose any points. I would have to make... T- I've got... So for me, you know, I had greater in goal yesterday. got his nine points. Crystal Palace. I really like Palace. I had Edouard up front, six points. Salah captain, 14 and... I actually played a 5-2-3 yesterday. I don't think I've ever played in the history of FPL five defenders, but I actually think it's the way forward. I really do. So, so no big games next week. No gimmies. It's a tough one to call, I think, isn't it? I think the only, the only, the only one is you want to probably Man City or at home to Fulham. Oh. So I think I think you know. Yeah. Obviously, we've talked about Haaland, but you look at like Alvarez or even how Gordon. much has he lost? Is he seven? He's probably around seven. I don't know for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but million. you want to look at like you, you want to make sure you've got like you know. Obviously, De Bruyne scored the free kick yesterday. He is expensive, yeah, but you look at like Foden, yeah. um, Mares, Grealish. Yeah, don't put Grealish in. Um, no, but yeah, like that's 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 an option. Stack up with stack up with Man City attackers. 
Um, and then, yeah, like I said, like I think you, you look at like Newcastle defenders, Everton defenders um, as well. Everton, Everton just don't concede, man. But they are against Leicester. I know they're at home, yeah, but Leicester, Leicester are on the upturn on the turning point. So, so no, there's no like apart from Man City, Fulham, and and it's one, like, it yeah. is tough, especially with Haaland now. You know, you're expecting two or three nil still. So maybe fill it with Man City. I've always got me three Man City players, regardless. I keep Chelsea players out. I stay away from Chelsea right now. I'm really glad I got Mount on the bench. I'm going to have to take him out, I think. But they've got a home game next week against, I think there's a, I can't remember. Who's home Chelsea? Uh, Arsenal? <laughs> Chelsea are home to Chelsea. That's incredible. Yeah, so. I can't see that. That's probably a draw in one, one draw. So, so yeah, no, it's good. So fantasy's going well. I hope this helps you. You know, it's it's a bit of a relief from Kyle's, um, Kyle's, I don't know what the <laughs> hell. Help he, please help me. He just tells you his team and then says how crap it is and then don't do what I do kind of style. So, yeah, anyway, so it's getting really competitive in that league. I think there's a breakaway of about 12 to 15 players who can still have a shot. And then the rest are just cannon fodder now. So, okay, so moving on, um, have you say, we have the same guys, Alan and, and Dan and, and Chris, Steph's brother, who always, Chris Clark, always write in. We want a few more years you're jumping in. So what we've done here today is we're going to do a five-a-side team and we're going to go for what is your, so it can be from your team, so, for example, if I went with Newcastle's legend five-a-side team, you're probably looking at Shearer, Given, uh, maybe Rob Ayers, Janola, Beardsley, Rob Lee, whoever. And then you can go against the current five-a-side team. So you might have, you know, you've got Nick Poe, Bruno. Who would who would win in them games? And you, you're going to pick your, your two teams, the legend five and the, the current five. And it can be, you know, you can go anywhere you want. You can go Premier League legends. You can go... Premier League now, top five. You can go with your own team. So Newcastle, Borussia, Sunderland, United, whoever the hell you want. You can go international as well, or we might do that next week. Let's stay to the Premier League. Your team or the Premier League legends versus now. And they have a debate and see who would win, the legends or now. So your five aside have your say. Steph, what do you think? What would you do? I mean, I'm thinking for Newcastle. I mean, that's a, that that's gonna be a crap five aside game. But you you've got to look at like the current team and your your Bruno's and your <laughs> Uh, Maxis and your Almirons who are like the ticky-tacky kind of like futsal kind of player and you think that oh god mm. but then would like yeah old school legend team of like Shearer and um, they used to play five aside every day in training that was what they that was what their training was bat, back in the day batter them. Um, them in an old sports hall batter them so yeah um, I think I think we should all do ours and then put put it out there yeah I think so I don't know whether to do a Premier League one in Newcastle why don't you? I'll do a Premier League one. You do a Newcastle yeah, one, I'll do that. and Kyle can do a Sunderland one. <laughs> <laughs> Big Quinny up front. All right. So one thing we're gonna miss. Anything else from you, Steph? This week, have you enjoyed it? It's been a bit weird, just being being me and you sitting here looking over our shoulder waiting for Sunday dinner. It's been a. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Have you? No, it's been really good. I mean, this is just for me and you. This is like normal, like little chat, isn't it? Yeah. We'll talk about, but maybe. we've also got the baby who wakes up soon. So now the dinner's late. We're going to have to have dinner when he's up now. So it's going to be a spoiled dinner unless we give him a little bit I of potato. I, I, I timed that today. I booked Sunday dinner to get delivered between one and two because I knew him would be down for a nap and it would give us a very rare chance to <laughs> sit down window. and eat a meal in peace together. Oh, but goodness. that's not going to happen now. I'll not shout out the place we ordered it from. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Thank you very much for being late. But it better taste good. I don't know if it's actually coming. It's now 20 past two. It's supposed to come one till two. It is supposed to come. Um, I'm very. It could be a trip to McDonald's for us, to be fair, everyone. But uh, yeah, stay healthy. So listen, 
to to finish on a on a on a on a positive, we haven't got Candalf, we haven't got Candy, we haven't got Cambo to come and give us his his final words. So I kind of um, you know, I, I kind of looked on, had a little look, and just to summarize things, I'm gonna go for the seven rules of life and seven things that you could live by. I've been inspired these last weeks by a couple of different people, Canadians, some coaches, some friends who've inspired us, and obviously my wife and little son. They always inspire us every day. But the seven rules of life. So just to just to take it out there. Number one, just let it go. Never ruin a good day by thinking about a bad yesterday. Move on. Let it go. Number two, ignore them. Don't listen to other people. Live a life that's empowering to you. So ignore them. Number three, give it time. Time is a healer. Number four, don't compare. The only person you should try and beat is the person you were yesterday. So try and better yourself by 1% every day. So don't compare yourself. You're on your own journey. Number five, stay calm. It's okay not to have everything figured out. Know that in time, you'll figure it out. You'll get there. Number six, it's on you. So take accountability. You're the one in charge of your own happiness. Number seven, smile. Life is short. Enjoy it while you have it. So smile, people. Take care. Even though the dancing's done, don't worry cause the night is young. Who cares where we go? We're ready for the